this is Tara. How are you on this fine sunny day? I'm good. I'm loving that the weather is finally, well, I shouldn't, I know it's going to be really crappy the next like couple weeks, but it's been really nice to have 70s for a You're welcome. Days. It's like this because I've been working. If I have a day <laughs> off, rainstorm all day. All day long. If I have to work. Aww. You do I have really bad luck. Some, I, I do. I do. I was going to tell you. I've been meaning to tell you because I haven't really seen you much lately. Or at all, I should say. Yeah, it's been a long time. I implemented a new laundry system in our home, which sounds it sounds silly, but it's truly life-changing because I'm always doing laundry. I'm doing a little laundry. I feel like every I day just I'm always telling everybody that yesterday. to put their clothes away. Bring me your dirty clothes. Here's your clothes. Put your clothes away. So... I am no longer everyone's laundry bitch. I quit. Everybody does their own laundry in our house now. That's amazing. They all have a day. Everyone has a day. And I actually heard this from another um, podcast that I was listening to about spring cleaning because I am a loser like that. And <laughs> <laughs> I love spring cleaning. Okay. I was like, ooh, spring cleaning 101. Yeah. When I can open up the windows and clean like, and put on some music. It's so she was day. talking about how, like, everyone in the family is overwhelmed because every day people have laundry to put away. They're yeah, like, oh, yeah. there's mom yelling, put away your laundry. Like, yeah. So she's like, we started, everybody has a day. So everyone picked their day, their laundry day. They do their own laundry from beginning to end. That's your day. If your shit ain't clean, it isn't my problem. Can't find your Leo? Did you do your laundry? Ballet tights? Did you do your laundry? Not my problem anymore. And it feels so good. That's amazing. I mean, you should see the smile on her face. If you can get this, <laughs> make this happen, you guys do it. I don't know about my eight-year-old, but he I know Ava laundry. would do it. All oh, you have to do can. is help him. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, watch him put it in. I mean, as much as they probably hate it, it's also empowering to them. They're taking care of themselves. Oh, yeah. No, there's an independence that comes. Like, it's, it, it, it seems painful at first, but really, it's like, oh, I, I'm doing this. I don't need anybody. I got this. Well, and they're learning time management. Mm -hmm. So Julia had to put her clothes in the washing machine before school because she knew she wouldn't have time later because of her activities. So it's teaching them to, like, think ahead. Think ahead. That's time awesome. Management. When am that. I going to have time to do this today? I love that. But anyways, enough about my laundry. Yeah, I, I look and we've talked about laundry for five minutes. So I might have to cut some of that out. <laughs> I'll cut it down to two, don't worry, people. But I did want to tell you about a movie that I have been wanting to watch, and you know that I never get to watch movies. So when we went home for Easter, my brother was like, Oh, what are we gonna watch? Because he's like Mr. Movie Buff. He's got like, you know, yeah. we have did to Did the watch. kids watch this movie? No, they did not. Where were they? We put them in the back room to watch a movie and like hang and do something else and have they had some toys and stuff back there to mess with. We watched Freaky, and Never I had been wanting to watch this forever. You hadn't heard of it? So, Is it a comedy? It's a very gory comedy, and it's Vince Vaughn plays like this mass, like this serial murderer guy. Never even heard of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's done by the same people who did Happy Death Day, which I okay. appreciated because I that kind of humor and all that. I just think it's great. And so this, this too, had some serious gory deaths. There's there's definitely some nods in it to Jason and, and Michael Myers. You could see some of the things that they did that to kind of, like, give a nod to those movies, like the head cock and, like, the whole thing. But some of the deaths were... I had to look away. On a couple, I was like, oh, oh, God, oh. <laughs> but 
it's like this whole premise it's called freaky and on the friday the 13th he goes to like kill this teenager and he has a special knife or whatever it's like this old school knife and um you know it's ancient and it has like this curse thing or whatever and so they like, trade bodies so then vince vaughn is now this like high school you know teenage girl in his body and then the killer is in her body and it's oh my gosh it's that's funny. It's I've really, never heard of it. Did you I like it? I appreciated it, yeah. But not everybody appreciates what I appreciate, so. Yeah, no. But. That's awesome. So I recommend it for, like, a kind of an off-key movie night where you're just, like, looking for something kind of fun and entertaining and not nothing that you can take too serious, but. Did Billy watch it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve would never watch that. He would leave. Billy leaves on the more serious stuff where, like, there's no joking, but it was Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah. I might get that. can watch Vince Vaughn, I think. True, true. So, yeah, yeah. So, I, re- I won't give Steve any, recommendation. Like, preface. I'll just be like, Vince Vaughn movie. Yeah, yeah. tell him it's a Vince Vaughn movie. And then give him, like, his favorite popcorn. He'll <laughs> 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 keep him in his seat. So, um, speaking of movies, I kind of thought that was a good prelude to tell you that I did not pick an actual true crime story for you. Instead... I'm going to talk about curses on movies and different things in Hollywood. Yeah. Did I say Hollywoods? Hollywoods. Um, Yeah. Curse movies, sprinkling of demonic possession and hauntings and things like that. So, yeah. I love those. Yeah, me too. And I, so I had all these stories lined up that I was trying to decide between, you know how it is when we research. And I like dove headfirst into them and I could probably tell them from memory. But then I was just so intrigued by some of the stuff that I was finding out while I was researching them through the movies, and I was like, no, 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 this is what I'm doing. Oh, good. Yeah, so it's a little, it's a little twist on true crime, and there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of true crime things sprinkled in, too, so you'll just, but we're just not diving into them. But yeah, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't stop looking into these. Um, there were some, uh, some of these that I read about that I just didn't think qualified as, like, a cursed movie, like, ones that are really popular and people talk about all the time, but I just kind of felt like, unfortunately, it was more coincidences, mm-hmm. bad luck, bad health, things like that that yeah. just befell the I like the too cast. when you can, like, debunk them. Yeah. So the one that I couldn't seem to shake that I was looking at that I really wanted to talk about was The Omen. So I don't know if you've seen this one. Mm-hmm. I know you're not a big movie person. Um, I saw it so long ago, I barely remember the scenes. But it's about a couple who are pregnant. Sadly, they have, like, a stillborn child. So Right after this happens, they end up adopting this little boy named Damien. And I'm sure you've heard the name, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Not a good idea. Right. He, I'm pretty sure this, this movie probably ruined that name for centuries to come. Like, who's going to name their kid Damien? Right? Mm-hmm. No. No thanks. Um, and I thought it was really funny because um, the, this is something I didn't put in here, but the, um, the guy who wrote the film was going to name the kid Domlin after, like, a fa- like a family friend's kid who was, like, such a brat that he just couldn't stand. And his wife was like, you better not do that because that's just going to ruin our friendship. It's just really a bad idea. So he landed on Father Damien, who was one of the priests who started the leprosy colonies in Hawaii, which is something else I would, like, I think we should yeah. talk about, which is just really, really crazy. So it was kind of a kind of interesting, like, how the name came about. But, so, Damien's supposedly the Antichrist, right? And all these people, like, start dying around him during the movie. There's this really awful scene that I remember with the nanny. Oh. Oh, my God. So, it's, like, they're at, like, this carnival or fair or something from what I remember. I remember the kids are, like, on this carousel. 
and the nanny climbs up to this like building across the street and she's yelling for the kid you know she's like Damien look at me this is for you and she's like smiling and she's got a rope around her neck and she jumps to her death in front of like all the people and the children like oh it's probably one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen in a movie that sounds horrific isn't that awful oh god so there there's just this movie is just it's it's a really creepy movie like I don't even know if I could go back and watch it and plus it's like old school so it's just that old vibe which Mm -hmm. makes it even creepier you know know it just you know what I'm talking about you're like like Rosemary's Baby and Actresses and all so yeah, so it's a great movie. You should see it. <laughs> Yay! Put that on my list. <laughs> okay, and then this is why people believe the film was cursed. And I think it's pretty convincing. So Gregory Peck, the main actor, Damien's adoptive father, and one of the writers, David Seltzer, and one of the executive producers, Mace Newfield, they were all on separate flights that happened to be struck by lightning, which is just kind of one of those things. And I know it's not super uncommon for planes to get struck by lightning, but I mean, Peck's plane was heading to London at the time it was struck and one of the engines caught fire and it nearly crashed into the Atlantic. So that's not something that happens every day. No. A few weeks later, the executive producer Newfield was heading to a shoot when the same thing happened while crossing the Atlantic. And David Seltzer's plane also happened to have a lightning mishap, although they didn't really go into, like, everything that happened there, but it was probably just struck by lightning. I mean, that's just, it's pretty odd coincidences. People can decide on that one whether they believe it's it's an omen or it's a, you know, whatever, or if it's just something that, that happens. The crew, however, also had a separate plane um, that they had scheduled during the, during the making of the movie. It was like a charter plane for aerial movie shots. But they switched it at the last minute. They were like, oh, they needed to change our schedule or something like that. And so the, that charter plane ended up being used for, like, another um, another customer and whatever they needed to do. Sadly, that plane crashed and it killed everyone on board. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that's crazy. During one of the scenes in which Gregory Peck had a stuntman stand-in, so it's like, the scene where he's, like, in the graveyard and these, like, hounds from hell, basically, like, these Rottweilers are chasing after him and, like, attacking him. Um, sounds like a great movie, doesn't I it? I know. I just... <laughs> so this stuntman was wearing protective padding for the scene, everything, and they were supposedly carefully trained dogs. Pretend attack dogs. Right, right. Like, they were trained. Oh gosh, no. I yeah. couldn't because you're just like well they could really get into it well and that's they like went wild they didn't listen to their trainer they completely attacked this man so viciously they ripped through his suit <sighs> he survived but it was it was bad so i mean career change right like maybe 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 that's not for you you're not the one Ugh. putting on the fire suits and running after you know yeah the, with the yeah. vicious dogs I mean, luckily you survived, like I said, but that's crazy. Then during another scene in a movie, the lead actress who plays the mom, Lee Remick, was supposedly acting terrified when a group of baboons attacked their car. There's, like, this, like, safari zoo scene or whatever. This movie has everything. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's, Dogs, it's, I don't think baboons. it was a zoo. I think it was, like, a safari. I'm sorry if I'm not. I don't remember the movie exactly, but it, it was something like that. And And what they did in the actual filming of it was they put... A baboon baby, or in some sources they say there were two, in the back of the car to drive the baboons even more wild because they're like attacking this car. Their babies are inside, right? So like they're 
trying to make it as real as possible. Is so, that humane? You know, this was done back in the day, so probably not. Oh, we're going to take this animal's babies to make them vicious? I mean, they gave them back. Oh. I know. <laughs> I mean, no no, no baboons were hurt, were harmed in the making <laughs> of, you know, the steam. But, um, but they said her screaming was 100% real. She was terrified. Like, yeah. she thought for sure. The baboon was going to rip into the car and eat her. Yes. Yeah. I would be... I would be a baboon will mess you up. Oh, those, and just looking at a pit, like this, just looking at them when they get angry and they have those teeth and yeah. they're like, the, oh, they're yeah. they're you don't mess with yeah, those that guys. Would, that would be real. It it was really it's bad. So negative on the dogs and the baboons. Negative but. on both. So, the next day, the very next day, the trainer of the baboons was with. Again, there's some debate whether it was a lion or a tiger, but doesn't really matter. The poor go the poor guy was killed instantly when whichever beast grabbed him by the head the next day. Just killed him. This is like a trainer. So this is the other thing. The baboons hired him. <laughs> right. They hired the cat. They were like, listen, listen. they took our babies. Yeah. You need to step in. Mm-hmm. We're gonna hire you to eat his head. I've seen the movie with what's his name? The zoo movie. They talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Totally. What's his name? I love him. Why can't I think of Doug Heffernan? Come yes. on. Why oh can't I gosh. think of his real name? Stella loves him. Jesus. He's so good. Uh, Paul Blart. Nice. Um, so anyway, but there, there's a few other mentions of near misses from uh, different things like bombings, but this was also a time when the IRA was actually setting off bombs in London. So I mean... Pretty coincidental. Very coincidental, too, but I still felt like it was something that I should mention. So, Newfeld and his wife ended up nearly escaping a bomb at their Hilton hotel that they were staying at. They were able to get an early checkout, and then when they left, the basically, they bombed the hotel. So, that's that seems kind of lucky, actually, to me. That doesn't seem like a, a curse. It seems yeah, like, like you got out, mm-hmm. you know? And then Peck and some of the producers were also headed to dinner one evening, But again, the Irish Republican Army struck, and they blew up the building before they arrived. Still crazy, though, right? That's still something to note. Like, there's just a lot of shit going on around this movie. Yeah. I probably would have checked out. Right? I would have been like, you know what? I would have been like, this isn't isn't going well. We should stop. But they did say... I imagine it would take a long time to film with all of these tragedies. I mean, you have to halt filming when the trainer gets eaten. Well, he wasn't probably technically helping on the show anymore. Oh my gosh. I mean. Move on, move on. I don't know. That sounds bad. But, but I could see that. Like, oh, there was an accident over there. At the zoo. We, like, that poor guy. We met him for three hours. Yeah. And I, I, don't I don't know. I don't think right, it, like, it wasn't, like, on set. Right. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. I was picturing it, like, on set. No. So it didn't happen during the shooting scene or whatever, but it was just the next the day. Next day. Was... But also... A stuntman, so another stuntman who would film the omen, he was done working on the omen. He was working on a new film called A Bridge Too Far. And he was supposed to jump off a building and land safely on an airbag. I'm sure they do that one million times. They do it. They know how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like riding a bike for them. He, But it said that when he jumped, he, he looked really awkward when he jumped. It just didn't seem right. He missed the airbag and he... He hit the ground. 
So they rushed him to the hospital and he did survive. He ended up surviving, but he told people when he, you know, when he finally when, could talk yeah. about it, he felt like he'd been pushed. That's not something that you say lightly. Mm-hmm. They couldn't corroborate it. There was nobody else up there, but he felt that he had been pushed. He obviously wasn't ready to jump at that moment. That's that's crazy. That's really crazy. That's really crazy. The final note that I have on this, as far as, like, the curse goes, is by far the creepiest and why I chose to talk about this. You didn't think it could get any worse? It does. Hmm. So John Richardson, he's the special effects guy for the film, right? So after the movie was finished, he, too, went to work on a bridge too far, okay? So apparently these guys, they all travel in the same circles. So maybe the curse followed them. This stuff creeps me out. I had nightmares last night. I just have to tell you, it was bad. So when the when he was in when he was in the Netherlands on location for this movie, he was in a really bad car accident. And again, depending on the source, he he was either just with his assistant, Liz Moore, she was a special effects sculptress. So he would design the scenes, he would direct like what was gonna happen, and then she would help with the, some of the special effects stuff. And some people said that his wife was also in the car. So I don't know. It doesn't really matter if she was in the car or not because it doesn't really talk about her after. Either way, they had another car in a head-on collision. He was knocked out during the crash, but one of the front wheels of the car came up through the floorboard and decapitated Liz. In the omen, John was responsible for the special effects that I mentioned to you, and he created a horrifying decapitation scene for the movie. How crazy is that? How, how crazy? When do car wheels come up through the car and decapitate people? Mm-hmm. You don't hear no, about that happening. That. That's crazy. And he said the accident happened near a road sign. And when he looked up at the road sign, it said 66.6 kilometers from Omen, the town spelled with two M's. So creepy. What in the actual F? Like, I have goosebumps. I don't even have anything to say. I'm so, like... Isn't that messed up? Like, how can you even... Yeah, that's just weird. I don't know. This stuff really, really creeps me out. Like, seriously, when I was doing the research and writing this stuff down, I was like, please tell me that it's okay to do research on this and that nobody in the darkness or the demons, like, the knows demons that I'm looking. curse you. Good God. I, like, I'm kind of scared. I need to get... Mm-hmm to drink holy water or something do you drink no you don't drink it I was like, don't drink. <laughs> sprinkle it on me or something don't drink i don't know the holy water too. <laughs> i was just looking at my water and i was just you know yeah i guess we don't drink holy water i should also note and not that it seems like part of the curse but it's just really sad gregory peck's son died by suicide two months before the omen started filming and at the time he had no knowledge of the role but it was later that his agent brought it to him. He just, I think he just wanted him to have something else to focus on and channel, like, his sadness and his grief into, um, from what I read. And I just, I just, to me, there's, there's this part that you're getting for this movie in which your son just passed and in the movie you have to kill your son. Seems really, like, come on, maybe they could have found a different role like maybe he could have played like father of the bride or something like that you know what i'm talking about it's just really heavy but 
The Omen ended up being nominated for two Oscars, and it ended up being his most successful film. So things worked out. Maybe for somehow he could channel that grief into, into a real feeling, into work. Maybe if that makes sense. Like maybe I don't know that I would have chose something like that. So I think it, it takes a lot of strength to have taken that role after everything that he went through. For sure. I agree. So what are your thoughts on that one? You know, I'm going to put that on my list to watch, but I'm just not so sure that my stomach can handle that. You know yeah. me, I don't like... Yeah, I know. That's not that's not in my wheelhouse anymore. I used to watch that stuff all the time, and I just can't anymore. Yeah. I like freaky. I like stuff like that. That's a little more lighthearted, but there's still some scary things happening. Yeah, I don't watch anything that doesn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nowadays, just because the world's too heavy. Yeah. And I don't know, I, well, so, and now that I was going to tell you that, remember I was watching that Amazon, Tell Me Your Secrets, I think it's Yeah, called, yeah. I started having nightmares. I haven't really? finished it. Oh. There's a scene where one of the former, so he, I told you, right, he was a rapist and a murderer, and he had gotten out and was recruited by someone else to do this work basically to stalk somebody whatever there's a scene in it where he breaks into this woman's home and he completely undressed and he's laying next to her naked while she's sleeping and he she never wakes up and he's in the house and it just hit me in a weird way she never knows that he was in the house he just leaves and his character is so dark and twisted and so real. I haven't watched it. I had nightmares oh, from it. And you okay. know, I mean, yeah. that's not, I don't know. So, I mean, this is what they go for. This is what, like, the directors it and works. producers, like, they're, that's their goal. They want to terrify you. So, the next one was <laughs> so hard for me to research because you know how much I hate dolls. Why are you looking at me like you don't know how much I hate dolls? No, I do, I do. I'm just trying oh. to think of the movie. Sorry. That's oh. my thinking phase. I'm That's like, your well, thinking phase? Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, you know that I don't buy dolls for my kids. Like, they're... Yeah, no. I think I was scarred by the movie Dolls when I was little. I was way too little to have seen that movie. And I remember the next day I had my dad get rid of every single doll and stuffed animal in my room. Gone. Oh. Chucky is still terrorizing our house. The kids talk oh. about Chucky all the time. Our kids talk about it, too. It's crazy. So, I don't do dolls. Um, every one of those things is creepy as hell. Nope. But I couldn't help myself on this one. Have you heard of the doll Annabelle? Oh, yeah. That's the one Julia saw, right? Where she was, like, terrified and had nightmares and could slept on the floor for, like, weeks? Yes, yes. I don't know the logic of sleeping on the floor, because I would want to be, like, up high. I, I, I think because it was, like, in the corner, like, nothing. I don't know. The whole thing, I... It's super creepy, It right? was months months of sheer terror for oh. obviously poor I girl i can relate i have a soft spot for that like i just feel so bad for her all the dolls had to go in the basement oh that was such a oh long. see they oh all had God. to be gone mine had to be like just take them out and burn them i want to make sure they're i was gone. like just put them in my closet whatever because it was like the middle of the night and all the dolls were watching her <laughs> i was like just yeah. put them in my closet does she's she, like they can't go in your closet does I'm she like, still not have dolls no, like, she has dolls now. She went back to it. There's none in her room because she's kind of out of the, out of that phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we still have dolls in the house. Oh my god, no, nope. 
I cannot believe I'm in your house. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna follow you home. I know, right? They're so creepy. Okay, so first I'm gonna tell you about Ghost Hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. They have a museum of sorts in New England that I never want to visit. Oh, I'm sorry. Never. They happen to be self-proclaimed paranormal investigators, and they're also authors, and they've been connected with several high-profile hauntings I know you've heard of, including Amityville and The Conjuring. So they've been basically called to come in and help with some of these things from the actual people that the films are based on. So these are the people who basically were coming to, I don't know. To make sure that it was acted out appropriately? Like, it was... No, so they were, like, the people that the real families called when they were thinking that they were, they had paranormal activity, and they came to investigate. So, obviously, there's going to be people that are, that completely debunk them and tell everybody that they're frauds, and I could see that side, but then I can also see the side where it still scares the hell out of me, and I'm glad that somebody locked all of these things up in a museum, and they're blessed. Mm -hmm. So, I'll, I'll get into that, but... This just this stuff just creeps me out. So you know what? Any precaution that you want to take, I'm cool with. I'm just gonna stand over here. While <laughs> yeah, you do that. I'm never coming there. Yeah. By the way, so Ed apparently taught himself how to be a demonologist. I'm not sure how one goes about <laughs> doing that. I'm googling that later. <laughs> I didn't look into how that. How to become a demonologist? But if you can find it out, I would love to know because it sounds very Ghostbustery to me. Like one day you're just a Ghostbuster, and one day you're like, yeah. I'm a demonologist. I can do this. <laughs> um. So that does sound a little fishy to me, but. Lorraine, um, she also claimed to be somewhat of, like, a psychic, right? Like, a clairvoyant, a little bit of a medium. The pair ended up founding uh, a NESPER, which is the New England Society for Psychic Research in the, in the early 50s. Basically, from what I read, they were involved in over 10,000 paranormal cases during the, the time when they were actively working. Um, Ed passed in 2006 and Lorraine, she's also, she's also passed away, but she passed away in like her, she was like in her nineties when she, when she passed away. They kept those demons away. Oh, this is like a very big, I mean, this is their whole life. So do the planes seem extra loud today? I feel like recording is just against (sighs) us. I feel like they're extra loud. So if you hear planes and Terry can't take them out, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just part of it. They're just ghosts. Um, one of the cases that they were um, asked to help involved a nursing student named Donna who was gifted a Raggedy Ann doll by her mom for her birthday. Oh, I had a Raggedy Ann. I did too. I did too. And I I couldn't find out if it, the doll was new or not. Some sources said that she bought it at like a secondhand store, but mm-hmm. who knows. Um, that makes the story so much better. I know. It just makes it creepier. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the doll, what's the history? So not long after, Donna and her roommate, Angie, again, like I said, I think I told you they were both nursing students, they reported that the doll was moving on its own. Did they see these movements? Like, was it walking around the room? No. They didn't actually see the movements, but when they would come back to the room, it would just be in a different position. So Donna was saying, like, at first it was, like, on her bed, and she'd be like, oh, you know, and she'd walk in and be like, put it on the right side of the bed you know what I'm saying like oh I just shifted or maybe it's just my rolled over right right so it was kind of like oh it's just my imagination probably at first like not a big deal um not really noticeable then later it became quite a bit more noticeable they would find her in like different rooms than where she was left with the doors closed sometimes her legs would be crossed or her arms were folded not ready for this no it's horrible it's horrible 
Oh my gosh. Once I, it my was, heart is going so right? fast. Now all the dolls must go. I know. <laughs> Again, I'm telling I'm you. I'm like a Julia. All I the dolls, dolls must go. I hate them. The story really, truly I creeps just me out to my core. I coming home work tonight and like a little doll like tucked into my pillow. <laughs> okay. I know. It, 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 it takes all of my strength not to get rid of the stuffed animals in my home. But, because I mean, look, Raggedy Ann doll does not look menacing. No. I mean, they're a little creepy because they're I had a so dog clean. that ate her eyes off. Oh, my God. And then she... Maybe she was cursed and he knew and she had to go. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, another time they had found the doll standing on its feet, leaning against chairs in the dining room. And one other time, they said it was kneeling on a chair. If you're familiar with these dolls, they can't kneel. They don't, like, you can try all, all you want to put them in a kneeling position and the doll's going to fall over. It's not posable. Correct. So that, that right there. It shouldn't be able to stand. Like, what, what the hell are you thinking? You, just be done. Get rid of the doll. Burn the doll. Burn that shit down. Yeah, like, it. why would you just be like, oh, huh, that's, that's odd. Really? Oh, look at it. You funny. would have lost me. Raggedy Anna's standing over there in the corner looking at me. Like, wouldn't you have just, like, thrown that damn thing out the window? No, I would have burnt it for sure. I was throwing it out there into the yard to go out to burn it. Like, I don't even want to carry that thing. No. That's just creepy. So, Donna would say that she started coming home to see creepy messages on parchment, penciled in and written like a child wrote it. Things like, help us, or help me, or help Lou. Lou is Donna's fiancé. And what was even creepier is that she had no idea where this parchment paper came from. They didn't even have anything like that in the apartment. Right? I just am staring at it. And they're still living with this damn thing. What the? What the? What are you? Okay. Hindsight. I just, no, people really are as dumb as they are in the movies. Like, they run towards danger. Or they, they like, keep the the stupid-ass doll until the whole family's dead. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Good Lord. So, it gets even creepier. Lou hates the doll. Obviously, I would, too. He claims that one night when he was staying over, he woke up to find that he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. And he said that the doll was at his feet looking at him and then slowly moves up his leg over his chest and ultimately started strangling him till he blacked out. He woke up the next morning and he swears it was not a dream. Okay, I can't take this right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, you have to. It's okay. So... Then another event happened when he was with Angie. They were looking over maps, and they were planning a trip for Lou that he had to go on. And they heard noises coming from Donna's room. So he walks up to the door, and it's closed at the time, so he just kind of waits for, like, this rustling noise to stop. And then when it does, he turn, he opens the door, turns on the light, and he sees the doll in the corner. So he's walking over to it. And I mean, dude, get out. Why are they hanging out with this doll? I don't know. I really hope all of this happened in, like, a week's time. It said that these things happened over a year, but I'm hoping these last crazy things happened in a short span of time. It was a quick ending. Right? I mean, you would think. So, he walks over to the doll, and he says he feels a presence behind him. So, he turns around. There's no one there, but then all of a sudden, he has seven of these scratches on his chest, like, these claw marks, like, ripped through his chest, and he said that they burned. There was, like, four horizontal and three vertical scratches. So that's, I don't know why. I don't think that's important. The, just the fact that he got scratched is messed up. But he said they, they healed super fast. Within, like, two days, they were gone. 
So I don't know if that was something that really happened or if it was just a convenient thing to say, like, oh, they're gone now. You can't see them. Like, I don't know. Maybe they just were really superficial. Maybe. It's just crazy. So then the girls also claimed they found the doll with spots of blood on it. And they decided to look into a medium for help. Dude, you're paying for a medium to come to your house to help with the doll. They wanted so it sounds like they really wanted to get to know the doll. Like they wanted to know. They weren't They were curious. They wanted more. Yeah. They weren't ready to be done with it. They I were guess. they were they were in it. You don't mess with that stuff. I don't that know. doesn't sound friendly to me. Like, oh, this is a doll. We want to get to know. She's yeah. just a friendly spirit. No. Oh my gosh. I picture like burning Sorry, the doll. Sorry, Beyonce. And then, like, we're done. The doll like the all doll. half burnt up, like showing oh up like it does in the scary movie. Like, I'm oh. back. You know? Oh, God. Yeah. Well, you're thinking of Chucky. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, during this seance that was performed, they learned the story of Annabelle Higgins, a young girl who died on their property when she was seven. Um, and they were told that the doll was comforted by the girls. So they decided to keep her, and they gave her permission to stay in the doll, and they took her home. Fuck. <laughs> Whatever. So the Warrens step in after this, and they tell them, no, no, the doll's possessed by an inhuman presence. They believe that the doll was looking to not stay attached, or I'm sorry, the spirit in the doll was not looking to stay attached to the doll, but it was looking to possess a, a person. human person. Ugh. Right? Oh, God. I just can't. I can But it wasn't Lou. Right it sounds like it didn't like Lou. Apparently, it wanted Lou gone. Yeah. The girls were much easier targets, apparently. Well, they were, like, interested in the doll. He, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. So the Warrens took the doll to be housed in their museum, right? Their supernatural paranormal museum of trinkets. I don't know what it's really called. I didn't actually <laughs> look it up. So that's not... Not the actual name. Don't look that up. <laughs> House of Trinkets. <laughs> trinkets. It sounded, it sounded professional. So they claim that on the way, the brakes and the steering kept locking up around turns. So Ed's like throwing holy water on this doll in the back seat, apparently, to dismiss its powers and basically get them to, you know, their final destination. But wait a second. So, do they have something like a special crate that's going to contain the It didn't say, the but demon probably, doll. right? They probably put it in like a cage or a box or something. To, Why would you just leave it, like, hang out in the back seat? No, but when it gets to the House of Trinkets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does yeah. it have a special, like, oh, yeah. container yeah. Just where... Just wait. Okay, okay, so hold on. I have a picture for you. <laughs> like, how do you make sure that it's not evil? So, there's the, the, the doll from the movie, oh. and there's the raggedy... You can't even touch the picture? No. Oh, God. So... It's in, it's in like a special, it's in a special, like, positively do not, do not touch or probably talk to or go near. It's like really creepy. I would probably put a, well, that sounds really bad, but I was going to say I'd put a bang on his head <laughs> so it couldn't look at me, but that sounds really bad. It's the doll. Who cares? <laughs> okay. So Ed and Lorraine also recount that they had a priest come. Okay. And he came to, like, dismiss the doll's powers or whatever. And it, it, they basically said that after this priest left, his brakes failed as he was driving through a busy intersection and the car was totaled. So that didn't go over very well. 
Um, Ed and Lorraine also say that there was an incident when a man was taunting the doll in their museum, asking it to do its worst. He kept banging on the glass and making fun of it. And finally, Ed was like, listen, you gotta, you've got to leave. And he was, like, with his girlfriend. So they left. They're, like, laughing at the doll. And three hours later, he wrapped his motorcycle around a tree and was killed instantly. His girlfriend was hospitalized for an extensive period of time. Just, like, why? Let's just get rid of the doll. Don't. Don't. Just don't go to the house. So, it's creepy, right? The Warrens, they both pass, but now their son-in-law watches over the museum, and even he says that the doll is the scariest freaking artifact in it. Like, he's like, just don't mess with well, it. Well, and what it's do you do? Is this just, this house of horror trinkets just stays in the family for years? What if they get released back into the public? I don't it's know. It's like a movie. I know. I know. It's just a movie waiting to happen. I picture, like, Raggedy Ann getting out and, like, freeing all of the other trinkets to go wreak havoc on the world. That should be a movie. Yeah. Oh. What's going to happen? Somebody's going to pick that up, and we need to, like... Copyright it? I don't know. What is that called? Jen's copywriting that one. That's the movie. Oh, my God. That would be... I'd watch that movie. Oh, no. I wouldn't watch that movie, but I would support the movie. (laughs) Okay. So... As I said, their son-in-law looks after, um, you know, looks after the artifacts that are still there. Now, Lorraine, when she was interviewed, she was around 90 years old. And she said, and I quote, looks are deceiving. It's not what the doll looks like that makes it scary. It is what has been infused within the doll. Evil. They still have a priest that comes to bless the museum and the doll. And she claimed that the prayers bind the evil and keep it inside where it can't get out. They actually, like likened it to like a dog fence like an electric fence around a, a dog but it's like mm-hmm. kept in with prayers and it's like a prayer box that's been blessed and all sorts of crazy stuff that is a lot to keep up with to have mm-hmm. a priest come and do it mm-hmm. so that's the doll that the movie is based on which is way too creepy for me to watch but I did think it was interesting that they had to create something creepier than a Raggedy Ann doll because nobody's going to, you know what I mean? And they, there was mention in there that the franchise would never go for their doll being, you know, no, my viewed gosh. in that way. imagine? That's so sad. No, it's terrible. I mean, it was really, I just, it's just said that, like, people, the actors and actresses on the set, like, completely avoided this doll. It was just so creepy to look at. Because you've seen, you've seen the doll. I showed you the yeah, picture no, of I've it. Seen, I can picture, like, the movie poster mm-hmm. so they made it just creepy enough it's to wear. dark it looks bad dark eyes like it's creepy. way creepier than chucky i just i can't even mm-hmm. it's really bad so one more hopefully we have time for this one i'll try to go through this one a little faster i was thinking that you know i'll um, try to show it oh no no you're fine i want i want your opinions so the next one that I chose, so these are the three that, like, really kind of just, it was hard. There was a lot of good ones to talk about, but I had to kind of, you know, I like these two because I didn't hear about these ones. Oh, good. Well, have you heard of James Dean's car? Mm-mm. Oh, me either. I remember there was, like, legend around it, but I didn't know the whole story, and so I just, I dove in. So James Dean's car, a Porsche 550 Spider convertible, dubbed Little Bastard, is probably one of the biggest urban legends of Hollywood, the curse of his car, Okay. So James Dean was actually really into racing. I know he's, like, known for movies, but he was a pretty good racer. He showed a lot of promise in his first few races. And so he had previously owned a 356 Porsche Speedster. He drove that quite a lot. It wasn't like he just 
got this sports car and was like, ah, I gotta go drive at 100 miles an hour and it's gonna be amazing. Like, I mean, guys do that anyway and then you don't think there's any way to, to stop, stop them from that, like, full speed thing. But it wasn't like he wasn't used to driving this kind of a car, is what I'm trying to say. And he was a racer, so, like, he was actually pretty good at handling handling a car. So anyway, he took some of his money from his first films and he bought the Porsche Spider. He had the car painted with the number 130. Actually, I have a, I have a picture of that, too. Right here Ooh. for racing it's a good picture and he had it detailed with pinstriping and of course the name little bastard on the side or whatever and after he purchased the car he was showing it off to another actor friend alec guinness who you may remember as obi-wan kenobi from star wars yeah. so you can picture him yeah. right they're hanging out um i think they were at a restaurant from what i remember they, i didn't write it down but I'm, they're outside of a restaurant he's like hey check out my new car apparently Alec thought it was just really sinister looking, and he actually told James, and I quote, if you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. And it could just be one of those things where you're like, oh, it's a sports car, that's just, be careful. Something I would say. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Exactly seven days later, when Dean was driving through a small town in Central California on September 30th, 1955, he had a head-on collision with a 1950 Ford Tudor driven by a college student, and he was killed. He actually had to be, like, extracted from the car. But his passenger and the other driver survived. It was reported that he was traveling over 65 miles per hour at the time of the impact, and that it was speed that contributed to the cause of the accident. So, it, it, it's kind of ironic, because he just filmed a public service announcement a few weeks before this, telling people... And I quote, take it easy driving, the life you save might be mine. So he had just done this whole announcement about watching your speed and driving safe and all of that. Were they both speeding? So, okay, and this is something that I wrote in the story a little bit later, but I'll go ahead and go into it now. From what I read, because I had to really dig, because a, a lot of articles didn't go into the accident. Like, I, I really had a lot of questions. It sounded to me like the car was going about 70, 65 or 70 from the police, the police report, and they were driving through, and the, the the college kid in the Ford went to, I think, suddenly turn left to take, like, a fork in the road on Route 41, so it must have been kind of like, oh, shit, I need to turn here. Yes. And they couldn't stop in time, and it sounded like witnesses said that they slammed on their brakes, and they, they tried to do, like, a racing maneuver, like a skid, mm -hmm. but they skid, and they ended up slamming into it almost head on, and that's what happened. There were actually other witnesses that say, and I don't know, like, who knows what really happened, but they say that James Dean was the passenger in the car, and that his friend um, was the one that was driving. So, and I, like I said, I wrote it later in the Yeah, and that's going to be hard to know. So, I did write down his name, and I will look it up so I can tell you. Um, Rolf Weatherich. Actually, it's probably Weatherick because it's German, so I bet that sounds like a K. So I hope I didn't destroy that name completely. But he supposedly was possibly the one driving because he and was found, survived. like, thrown out of the car, and he was actually on the driver's side of the road, like, when he was thrown out. So it's, it's, hard. it's hard to say what happened. It's really hard to say. It's, like, this little convertible. I'm sure you get jostled around and thrown around. So, so who knows what happened. But He survived, though, so he technically could say. I have a little bit more of that later in the story, too, but I'll go ahead and tell you that now. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I, I just see, I can't love it when control you myself. 
But towards the end, I actually did have in the story that he, it said that he suffered so much guilt. And I don't, it didn't really say whether he said that he was, or not, he was married four times. I believe it was his second wife that said she divorced him because she kept telling him, like, she couldn't live with the fact that you killed James Dean, right? And they, they talk about all this guilt and nothing's wow, ever super that's specific. Harsh. That's really harsh. So who knows? Like I said, there's just all this hearsay and articles are just, you know well, how you it is. It's really hard. I'm driving if people already decided that for you. Correct. So, I mean, whether it's true or not, I guess it's, I don't know. But they said that he, he suffered from a lot of guilt. He tried to, um, he tried to take his own life on two separate occasions in the early sixties. I think one was 1966. And then um, in 1967, he stabbed his wife 14 times in a failed murder-suicide attempt. I mean, I, apparently she survived because it was like a complete, I don't know what he did to. Wow. Yeah. So then, because later it said that he like left, he went to this other city in Germany. And then um, in 1981, he died in a drunk driving accident. Oh, the irony. The irony, right? So that is the story of the passenger that we got to early, <laughs> but that's okay. Sorry, no. but thank you. No, I'm sure other people had questions and I got that out of the way. So yeah, so that's what happened there. I thought that it's just one of those rabbit holes that I went down at the last minute. Remember when we were in here and I was writing on my notes, it's something that I was like, okay, why, why did he have guilt? And that brought me down this whole other side. And then I started reading up on him and I really couldn't find a ton of information on him. And a lot of it was very back and forth. So I apologize if I got any of that wrong, but it just felt like it was really sketchy and it was hard to find. So, um, so at the time of the accident, he and his friends were actually on their way from LA to Salinas, California to basically participate in a sports car race. That's why he went. Um, that's why, that's where he was going. The intersection where he crashed is still visited often. Um, many people make pilgrimages there to pay their respect, both fans of the actor and racing fans. But the crash was just the beginning of the death and injuries surrounding this car. George Barris, Hollywood car customizer, he's famous for creating the Batmobile in the 1960s for, like, the TV series. He bought the wrecked vehicle for $2,500. So I think James Dean at the time, brand new, bought it for seven grand. Just gives you an idea of, like, how much things cost back then. But So he picked it up. He stripped it for parts, but he kept the remains. He had plans to restore it, so that was that's what he wanted to do. He had it shipped over, and somehow it slips off the trailer and crushes the mechanic's leg. That was the first incident. So then he sells the engine and the drivetrain to Troy McHenry and William Eskrid, two racers. But while they were both racing with the new parts, Troy lost control and hit a tree, died instantly, and William's car locked up as he was going into a turn on the track, causing the car to roll. He was severely injured, but luckily he survived. Barris had also sold two of the remaining tires that were in really good condition and didn't seem affected by the crash. Both of the tires end up blowing simultaneously, causing its owner to run off the road. When when does a tire blow? When do two tires blow simultaneously? Just, That's crazy. I guess I'm baffled that this car was in such a wreck that it even has parts that can be salvaged. Right. Which is just weird in itself. It's weird and creepy. Right? Yeah. Because later there's... So a they're ma- saying he had to be extracted from the car. So I picture the car being just destroyed. Oh, here you go. And then... Where's the car? You can salvage 
pieces. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, in the picture, it looks like those two tires that are shown aren't terrible, but I mean, I can't tell by the picture. So the remainder of the car was kept by George, as I previously noted, but thieves decided to break in, and they wanted to steal a piece of the car. So the first guy, trying trying to take the steering wheel, rips his arm open, somehow. And then the second guy, who was uh, trying to remove one of the bloodstained seats, he gets injured as well. Basically, they... It was a botched, botched uh, heist, and they probably needed to call 911. They couldn't get that one. Send an ambulance. (laughs) Right. Um, So George, after that, wanted to lock up the car and keep it out of reach. He was, he was like, that's that's it. That's enough. Scary. That's scary. But somehow he was persuaded by the California National Highway Patrol to lend him the car for safety exhibits. Right? They wanted to be like a whole national safety campaign on driving, and you know they thought this would be the perfect exhibit. So the very first exhibit, the garage that housed the car, went up in flames, somehow leaving the car completely untouched. The car was fine. That's so cute. Isn't that just, like, very Stephen King? Like, how messed up is that? Aren't you totally freaked out right now? I just don't understand how. I'm trying to figure it out. Right. I don't know. But that's what happened. I just get, get the car away. In the second exhibit, at a high school... It ends up falling from the display that it's on and breaks a student's hip. Yeah. So that was the next. Then they went to transport it. But get this crazy shit. The truck loses control somehow, causing the driver to fall out of the vehicle. Right? The truck with the trailer carrying. You can picture it. I'm picturing it. He falls out of the vehicle and then he's crushed as the car falls off the back of the trailer. That almost sounds, like, comical. Like, how do you even do that? Like, I don't even know. fall out of this truck and then... I don't think you could pay a stuntman to figure out how to do that. Like, that's just insane. Oh, it just gave me the creeps. So what is the deal with the car? Does it have a demon in it, like Raggedy Ann? Nobody knows. It's part of the legend. It's part of the why. I don't know. It just reminds me of, like, Christine, right? Like, the... It gives me chills. So the car falls off two more trucks, trailers after that. Like, how do, how does it fall off? Like, they got this, I mean, they know how to secure a car. On, especially yeah. now, when things like that happen, you're going to be, like, extra cautious. Mm-hmm. Falls off two more trailers after that. Well, and then they there were, can't like, be much left of this car. Well, right? Well, it's, like, the frame and, like, that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I guess you don't notice because it's already been in a wreck, but I just imagine they're, like, clunk, 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 clunk. Right. right. Just stuff falling off everywhere. Yeah, you would think. I don't know. So... It's at this point that CHP was like, they're like, we're out. We're done. And then accounts, again, we always run into this. Accounts vary a little bit. But in History.com, which I, I tend to trust them, and in an article that they had, I read that, and I think they were referring to the crazy accident with the driver falling out. It just simply said, a truck carrying the car's chassis to a highway safety exhibit skidded off the road, killing its driver. And that the remains of the car vanished from the scene and haven't been seen since. But, as I mentioned, varying disputes, other sources claim it vanished from a locked trailer. So that it possibly made it way back to George and he locked it up and then it was just gone. It vanished in thin air. Who knows? It's just, nobody knows what happened. So throughout the years, there have been so many tips and claims that people found the car or parts of it. But... It wasn't until, so, I mean, everybody's like, oh, I think I found a part of the car, and then go investigate. I mean, this happened for years, obviously. 
It wasn't until last year the complete original transaxial assembly was found in rural Massachusetts. Wow, say that 10 times fast. Transaxial assembly. I can't even do it once. You know what I'm saying. I do. They say that this may be the only documented provable, provable part of the car that still exists. Basically, there were, there were only three traceable components, the engine, the chassis, and the transaxle um, gearbox. The one that they found has the stamped factory serial number 10046. So just in case you think you might have a piece of the car, that is the serial stamp. The chassis was reported stolen in 1960, as I mentioned earlier gone um and the original engine is reported to still be in california but it hasn't been seen or verified in decades so there are plans to possibly put this piece in a major collection or museum basically sell it so whoever has it like i said finders keepers and they can sell it um and it will be the first time any part of the car will be made public and then the thing that i found interesting as well and i had to note it is that this piece was found almost to the day of the 65th anniversary of James's death. Now, I, I looked and looked, and I could not find... I googled, what day did this was this piece found? Because I wanted to know, because I noticed when I was looking at the articles on it, that the dates from the papers like announcing that this piece had been found were anywhere from September 29th through like the 5th of October. And you know when something like this is big news for car collectors and dealers, like they're yeah. going to announce this right away. So I imagine they found it within just a day or two of the 30th, which is when he had his accident. Oh, that's so creepy. Isn't that creepy? I, it always creeps me out when, like, inanimate objects take on. Yes. Things like that just, I don't, I don't understand it. I like to think that there's always an explanation for things. I'm one of the, like, you know what I mean? I'm usually that kind of a person that's like, okay, that's a coincidence, or that's just A whatever. logical explanation. Sometimes, you you know, you, you hear, like, there are no coincidences, but, like, come on. There are. No, I mean, like, you were talking about the plane. I was, like, in my head, I'm there how they, three got struck by lightning, and I'm like, okay, well, how close did they fly together? What was the weather pattern in that area? Were they flying the same route? Like, mm-hmm. they're coming And it was both same... over the Atlantic, so was it, yeah. Yeah, like, Correct. what were the weather patterns? What was this, like? You know, yeah. they're not sharing so those always, details. I'm always trying to find the logic. Yeah, me too. And so stories. I kind of feel like, but then, but then in these cases, well, besides the doll, it just seemed like there were so many things that happened around that one. I just don't know how much of the car can fall off of something. I mean, just tie that shit down. I, I don't get I it. I don't know. And that's what's so crazy. Like, these people transport vehicles every day. Yeah, it's their job. That are probably much heavier and, you know, have all their pieces. So creepy. Thank yeah. you for those creepy stories. Yeah. That was a nice change. Yeah, I just thought, you know... I just wanted to do something a little bit different with my entertainment this week for the Entertainment Hollywood section of our... We have one more. I have one more. Okay. Next week. One more story on that. And then we're doing sports stories, right? Yeah. Those will be good. Yeah. Athletes get in. Athletes get in so much trouble. (laughs) They really just can't help themselves. Uh, And the next time we record, we'll be uh, on our little getaway. Yeah, we'll be in. Yeah, we'll be in Lake Geneva. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Hope it's safe in our in our own little house to record quietly. They're in a fireplace, right? Yeah. 
You can check. It might be too loud for the recording, but I'd love to record by the fire. Well, we can blame the noise on the fire yeah, the crackling instead of fire like in the back planes and children Pancakes. doing their <laughs> home learning. Oh my gosh. She All that noise was just the chair. Her sitting in it, When she, every time she would move in the chair, that's how loud it is all the way up here. That poor girl. She's probably like laying on the couch like this. Like well, because ramrod straight. Like, I gotta go when you made that phone call, I went down. I was yelling at the top of the stairs. I'm like, what's all that banging? And she's like, she leaned back and said, what? And it made the noise. And I'm like, You're oh like, my gosh. Oh I'm my like, gosh. do that again. And she did it. Like, that is the noise that sounds like there's elephants downstairs. It literally sounded like she was walking around, banging things together, like making food in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Her chair. Every so, time she was shifting the chair. This is why you all need to give us grace if you hear a little noise in the background every once in a while. Because sometimes we have to record with um, the children home or people wandering around. So it happens. Yeah. Next time, it will only be the sizzling of the fire that you <laughs> hear, fire. hopefully. Maybe some clinking of glasses. We oh, just, you know, so I'm dreaming. I'm, I can't wait. So on that note, hopefully you guys have something you can look forward to to put on the calendar. We have been looking forward to this for months. Months. Just quiet time. Some people go to Vegas. We go to a house in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> for quiet and solitude. We are not party animals yeah and if there are any dolls in that house they're gonna have to sleep outside oh my gosh there can't be any dolls there let's hope not well um find us subscribe wicked ones podcast everywhere you should know by now the wicked ones podcast hop on there oh i said we were gonna be on youtube by now we're not oh but we will be it's been a busy really tired week. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we're like, it is. It is morning. I have only had half a cup of coffee today. Mm, it's like twelve thirty. So. I gotta go to work. Yeah, get on there and press that five star review, even if you don't have time to leave a review. I mean, rate, right? Rating. Press that five star rating, even if you don't have time to leave a review. We really appreciate it. We like to hear from you guys, and we like to know that you know. Send us some. Listener suggestions. Yeah, suggestions, stories. Come on, you guys have personal stories that you just are dying to share. Send them. Yeah. Hop on our website. There's a contact form. Oh, no. There's oh, a child the on elephant. the move. I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our cue. All but right. we'll talk to you guys next time from the woods. Bye-bye. Bye.